people who say momentum is, isn't a real thing. I'm like, well, you don't really understand sports. Like if you think momentum is not real now, I'm not saying it's this quantifiable thing. However, you could see when a team has confidence, they're yes. clicking, they're on all cylinders and, and every play is, it's a confidence thing. Welcome to Catalyst, the Launch by NTT Data podcast. Catalyst is an ongoing discussion for digital leaders dissatisfied with the status quo and yet optimistic about what's possible through smart technology and great people. Today, we're sitting down with Brian Huss, VP of Innovation at Price Picks, and discussing one of the most fun and entertaining epicenters in all of technology, the world of fantasy sports and the digital experiences that bring millions of people together every single game day and game night. Brian is an innovator and thought leader in fantasy sports, fan engagement experiences, streaming entertainment, and user-centric product development. And we're going to talk and touch on all of those topics, community building through technology, and even more on this week's episode of Catalyst. So let's get a huge welcome to Brian Huss, VP of Innovation at PrizePix. Brian, how's it going, dude? Uh, it's going great. Fantastic. Clinton, thanks for uh, having me. So happy to be here. Awesome. You and I got to got to meet. That was last April out in California. Yes. Thank you for being part of Nexus. Really cool to have you on stage to bring your expertise there as well. And it's great now to get you in studio and looking forward to hopefully seeing you this April too. So I, I know that you live in Atlanta, Brian. That much I know. I know you're in the ATL area. And I also know that when we met in California... I didn't know you quite yet. I, I knew your picture and I was like, oh, that's Brian. And then I, I noticed you had registration. I'm like, oh, he's got a New York Knickerbockers like little backpack satchel. So, <laughs> and I know you're a sports guy, obviously. Yeah. So I want to I want to bring this to the table so folks know wh where's your heart. So what is your favorite sport of all, I'd say the major sports and who is your favorite team? Is there a childhood team that you still absolutely, you know, live and die with? Yeah, I mean, I grew up with baseball, you know, going to games when I was a kid. I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, so I uh, spent a lot of time with the Toledo Mudhens, nice, uh, you nice. know, AAA team. But uh, yeah, I went to school in New York at Fordham and, you know, at the risk of being a front runner, you know, became a Yankees fan and uh, at the risk of not being a front runner, became a Knicks fan. <laughs> uh, so Good. yeah, those are really the the two that I have, have followed. Yeah, I moved to Atlanta about six years ago and, uh, you know, fun teams to watch down here. But my, uh, yeah, my heart's always with the New York teams. Yeah, very good. I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a Mets fan. I, I'm not a Yankees hater. There's so many people that hate the Yankees. I'm like, they hate them because they spend money and they win. I'm like, look, right. those are the rules. Don't, yes. don't hate the players, hate the game, right? <laughs> Change the rule. Baseball is my favorite sport and it will remain my, just because I think it's the purest and I love, I love the dynamics of baseball. Sometimes the slowness of it actually is intriguing. And really to me, there's never, I think of all the sports, I love hockey too. So like, you know, if you're talking game seven of a Stanley Cup playoff, it doesn't get too much more tense than that. However, pitch by pitch and moment by moment in baseball, where you have the breaths in between each and every moment and that the, you could hear the pin drop in the stadium. It, it's to me, that could be some of the most tense moments and they're really, really fun. But my favorite team is the Seattle Seahawks and I got the Don in the cap right now. So hopefully, hopefully I'm recording this before week 18. Hopefully the Hawks uh, can sneak in to earn their their place in the playoffs, and then you never know. So how about how about memories? And before we get into technology and all that stuff, yeah. how about sports memories? You got one or two that really sticks with you that just either 
solidified your fanhood or made you love it that much more? You know, I have a couple. Probably the first one is, you know, when I was in school, I say at Fordham, you know, fair to say a mid-major, you know, playing Seton Hall in basketball the year after they went to the, you know, the NCAA final game Mm -hmm. and uh, Fordham knocked them off. And it was like the one time that got to have that rush the court, you know, just kind of be be with everybody in that uh, scenario. And really, you you know, that that part of just like that shared experience, that joy. I mean, Mm. it's one of the things that I I love about sports. And that was just such an awesome experience that that I'll always remember. I love it. And I would say probably the second one was, you know, I was out at the uh, G2E conference this year and got to go to the uh, first game of the regular season for the Vegas Golden Knights. They had the Stanley Cup ceremony, which is the uh, first kind of championship ceremony of that Mm -hmm. kind that I've ever been to. It was was quintessentially Vegas. The banner came out of the top of a giant slot machine. And it was like, this is this is so awesome. But just the 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 feeling of the crowd was great. So unlike the Pop-Tart bowl, you didn't have the Pop-Tart lowering into the, to- into the toaster. You had the, the banner coming out of the slot machine, right? So, yeah. and, and Vegas is, uh, for those that don't know and haven't really followed their ascent into hockey, the Golden Knights have done such an incredible job. Their pregame events are like known to be amazing like amazing fanfare and amazing yeah just an amazing show which is which is which is what you kind of want to expect in vegas plus it raises the bar then the kraken come in and they're doing some amazing stuff on the ice it really raised the bar for the whole nhl to be like oh we got to do something that much more intriguing to keep up with uh with vegas which is super cool the fordham one real quickly i could share one of mine that relates back to to college basketball as well i'm a yukon guy my 21st birthday was between UConn winning their final four game. And then my birthday that was the next day, which was a Sunday. And then Monday was the finale of UConn versus Duke, where UConn was oh, the, wow. the big underdog. And that's yeah. when March Madness actually wrapped up in March. My birthday is March 27th. So the game, the game was like the 28th or 29th. But that was, again, the whole sense of that community and being together and being part of that. It was, it was amazing. Like going to Gamble up at UConn and being, that game wasn't there, but being in that environment, it's sick. It's so loud. And so people are so into it. And there's a, there is something real special about that, which carries over into our conversation, right? The, the fanatics, the people who just love sports and love getting around it and all this great new technology and new ways in which folks can be a part of it in these, these net new ways, which, which we'll dive into a lot today. But it's, it's just something really special. Like I mentioned to you before we got on, I do podcasting for Seattle Seahawks community. And, and that, I mean, I'm a dude from Long Island and I've met so many people across the globe. Seattle's yeah. become a pretty um, global team because when they got really good and they won their championship is when the NFL was really pushing into Germany, into UK. So there's so many German, UK, you know, France and other other Europe fans that love the Seahawks between their colors being sharp at the time and they had the Legion of Boom. They just, they have a huge fan base over there. It's really, really incredible. So I'm really grateful. I'm 45 years old. As a Long Island kid, I had my parents send away for a physical newspaper that an ex-Seahawk player used to put out, and it would give you all the little breakdowns and just just more than I could possibly get from any any place else at that point. Because in the mid-80s and early 90s, number one, the Seahawks were bad. We were not a very good team. And so if I got two to three minutes on a highlight show, that's all I got. That's it. And besides watching the ticker at the bottom of the screen. And now, not even that many years later, um, 
You could be so engaged through different technology platforms, and we'll talk about price picks in a second. And it's just, it's such a golden era to be a fan in sports. You know, it's such a really cool time. For those who love it, you could really lean in and just meet and be with so many people and have such a common bond, you know? Totally. That shared experience, that community aspect. I mean, there's nothing like it. That's one of the things I just really love about being a fan. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. So I mentioned Prize Picks, obviously, you know, VP of innovation there. I would imagine uh, there's folks who know what Prize Picks is, and I'm sure there's folks listening going like, oh, I haven't heard of Prize Picks yet. So can you give us some detail? What is Prize Picks and who do you primarily you know, aim to serve? Sure. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports company in North America. So the concept of full season in fantasy has been around for you know probably over 40 years now. And then what we do with prize picks, in the course of any uh, day, you know, a week of games, you build a lineup based on your predictions on how these players are going to perform. So we give you projections on, um, say, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 263 yards. You know, is he going to do more than that or is he going to do less than that? And you compile a lineup of several of those projections in different games, different teams, all just how are the players going to perform and, you know, use your skill, build the best lineup you can. Then you follow the players, you watch it play out live. And uh, if you get your picks right, you, uh, you know, you get rewarded for that. You get paid out. Sure. This is a really fun game. It's really taken off, particularly in the last couple of years. I think a couple of the things that, you know, I really like about it. First, it, you know, really kind of leans into how you think as a fan, you mm-hmm. know, already. You know, if you go in there and you say, hey, this here's a great player. I'm going to take more. Oh, but he's playing a hard defense this week. I'm going to take less. It doesn't, doesn't try to teach you a new behavior. It, mm-hmm. it just kind of leans into the way that you, that you think already. And so I think that's been, um, you know, really successful for us. And then, yeah, I mentioned the community aspect quite a lot. And, uh, you know, we have people talking about their picks in a very large Discord community that we have that's, that's really been a key part of like what it's like to be part of our prize picks member community. Yeah. Another thing that I just really love about what we do. Yeah, it's fun. Discord has been really a cool companion going back to my, my yeah. Seahawks stuff. We're out on Patreon. So people will get into different levels and support the podcast and all that stuff as you know, cause it's an independent podcast. And one of the rewards is joining the Discord at a certain level. And it's so fun. We tried other things too. And I'm not backing one versus the other. There's other alternatives out there. It's just that Discord kind of uh, really vibes and uh, probably cool. similarly that uh, the prize picks community is, it's, but it's also a good jumping off point. It's like, hey, look, you're leveraging a piece of technology. It's like you didn't have to sit there and go like, oh, we're going to go build this exact thing in that particular case. It's like, okay, there's something we could already jump into that's doing really, really well. And it'll allow us to bring our brand into that presence and have that shared in a platform that was, I think, really first originated for, for gaming, which is right. cool. So that's in- interesting to hear that. I, I like that because it's such a fun place to be. It's such a, it's such a vivid, fun, modern place to hang out. And again, while watching live sports together, I don't know, man, I'm, just, I'm, I'm in my feels. Nothing, there's nothing better than it. I, I absolutely adore it. So, totally. And I do want to ask you too, Brian. So like, you know, VP of innovation, cool title and all that, right? And, and I think it always comes down to, well, what in your world, what's specifically innovative about fantasy sports just in general? I know I used to play fantasy sports way, way, way back in the day where my buddy would have to take the paper and then map out how everybody did in the six-team league. This is like 1994 or something like that, right? But obviously, we've got all the great apps nowadays, but still the fantasy space. What's innovative about it? 
Yeah. Well, you know, you think about innovation, what you're really doing is you're, uh, you know, you're finding new ways or novel ways to solve these meaningful problems, right? And fill these meaningful needs. And fans are always, I think, looking for new ways to uh, talk about the games, connect with other people around them. And, you know, I think we've provided what I think is a really interesting platform to do that, you know, bringing people together and, you know, as we said previously, not trying to teach them new behaviors, but leaning into things they're already doing. Like mm-hmm. you get into prize picks, you're just, you know, you see it. It's very easy to just register, deposit, play, and you just get what's going on there right away. Now, what I do here in terms of extending that is, mm-hmm. you know, really mapping back to like what's authentic about our product, our community, leaning into those key principles of, you know, be simple, be accessible, be really community driven and say, like, what else can we do with that? How do we make every touch point of your experience as a fan more exciting, more fun, because PrizePix is part of it? So all the uh, products that my team is working on are, are starting from that baseline. And we're, we're lucky that we have, you know, a very vocal community mm-hmm. who will give us a lot of feedback on things they want to see, what their fan experiences is like, how we can create new things that they're going to find exciting. Uh, and then my team really uh, kind of leans into research, product discovery, just to make sure we're building things that our fans are really going to love. And I definitely want to hear about about your expertise and how you go about that. So you're talking yeah. in products, right? Which speaks to me. I'm sure it does everybody listening as well. That these things are either net new products or extensions of existing products that you're either looking to serve serve a new market or just make it simpler or bring some more joy, more connectivity. But when you're looking at your product goals with your team, what are some of like, I guess, some of the hard metrics you're trying to set? And then what are some of the softer things you're trying to gauge? And how do you do both? Yeah. So, you know, we are always looking for new ways to delight our members, to super serve them, to, you know, get them coming back. We look at things like, are they spending more time in the app? Are they coming back more frequently? You know, there's always the uh, the function of like, we want people just to be having fun. So we're not necessarily looking to make more entries, drive, uh, you know, things like that. It's more about how are you, how are you finding new opportunities, new moments of delight that make you want to come back and then make you want to share with other people that you know. A couple of, uh, you know, examples that I'll yeah. share, you know, this wasn't a, a big change to the product, but a big way that we, we found that our, our members were, you know, interested in, they'd have a primary sport that they would go to, but they would also pick across multiple sports. So we started to come up with, what are some creative ways that we can bring sports together? Mm. So like, for example, we posted a projection that we called the GOAT projection, which was LeBron assists plus Tiger, or I think, I think it was LeBron three-pointers plus Tiger Woods birdies mm. as one number that you could pick. And it was that kind of thing. We started to do that a lot because it, it, it just brings more fun to it and gets and gives people something something new to uh, to talk about. So yeah, we measure ourselves in things like just overall member growth, times coming into the product, uh, interacting with the product. And on those softer metrics, we're always measuring customer satisfaction in a variety of ways. I mean, one of the things that we're really proud of is our member support is really just first class. Mm-hmm. If you are typing into the chat window on the product, you are not talking to a bot, you're talking to a person. 
So we, we do measure ourselves in things like how long does it take to respond to a conversation? How highly are those conversations rated? That, that's something that we're really, really proud of. So yeah, we, we you know, obviously a variety of things that we look at, but you know, it's overall growth, overall engagement, and, and really overall sentiment. You know, we've created a brand here that uh, you know, people love to interact with, people love to talk about. And uh, anything we can do to just continue that and just really stay authentically in touch with our members, that's what's important to us. That's what drives our roadmaps. Yeah, I love it. I, I love the, the commitment to and the understanding that, hey, if we drive fun and engagement, then all the other good things are going to come to as long as, yes. as long as we put the, the right products and the right opportunities for our people to hop into these fun things and get in with, with their expertise. And so, in some ways also, like you talked about earlier, kind of leaning into their priors, right? Like, oh, I like this guy. He should have a really good matchup versus this sure. team. I'm going to, I'm going to lean into that. Right. And it's, yeah. it's, it's fun. And it's sim where, where there are many other fantasy games that can be, um, way more complex. The simplicity is, is a big draw, I believe. Would you say that's fair? Absolutely. Everything we do, it has to be easy to understand. Uh, it has to be something that you can jump into right away. And that is something that really has driven our members to really teach other members about the product. Mm. You know, there's not a big ramp up time. If you say to your friend, hey, Prospects is cool, jump on, you know, play with me. There's not a lot of friction in doing right. that. It's really simple for them to get in and, and, and have that you know, enjoyable experience just like you are. Yeah, that, that makes all the sense. And I would imagine too, the the other sports, and I don't know what the relationship is like from prize picks to these other sports, you know, entities. However, it's gotta be kind of cool when you maybe say to them, hey, look, we're putting out a LeBron thing, but it's gonna actually draw, it's gonna bring some eyes to the PGA. I mean, they gotta be, they gotta like that as well, right? That's gotta be a win for them. Yeah, yeah. We find that the, the fan base that we serve gets really, really focused on players. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was talking about being a Knicks fan. You're talking about being a, being a Seahawks fan. We're finding that in the fans that we serve, you find people following players. Like there yeah. are plenty of people out there who were Cavs fans and then Heat fans and then Lakers fans, but who they really were were LeBron fans. Yeah. And because we bring the the player front and center. I think we're really responding to how fan behavior has evolved over time. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. And I, I don't want to guess your age, but I already shared mine. And yeah, ours was was our era a bit more of the front of the jersey. And I've seen over time and just the different fans that I interact with, you do see quite a bit more of that. And even, even fairly recently, when Tom Brady left the Patriots and went over yeah. to the Bucks, I, I, li I live in New England. I had several buddies of mine, they're like, you know what? I'm cheering for the Bucks these next couple of years. Right. That, that was that. And then Brady is the goat and he, he has that attraction. But I think we're just seeing more and more of that in the younger generations as well, where like you said, they lock on, they lock onto that dude. And fantasy sports has really not just enabled that, but amplified that. And, and that's, totally. and that's something that prize picks, I think has done an incredible job of understanding and then using as good fuel to give opportunities for folks to uh, to play along, right? Which is with, sure. with their favorite players, which is super cool. Another thing that that I think Prize Picks does very very well is you have a product that you guys call Community Plays, and to me, it, it's a little bit of a it, again, it's that groundswell, it's that movement of of being together while doing something. How did you all come up with that idea of, of Community Plays, and, and can you describe it quickly? 
Yeah. So started from, you know, again, that, that community of, of people talking about, hey, these are my picks. Do you want to follow me? Mm-hmm. We have a feature called tailing entries where mm. uh, with one tap or click, if you see somebody else's picks and you just say, hey, I want to take those too. It's really, really simple to do. And so, you know, as we saw the community start to cohere around, you know, picks that they liked for a certain day, we said, all right, well, let's, let's make something out of this. And so what we do is as part of our programming on Discord, we'll solicit from the community, mm-hmm. hey, let's, uh, let's vote, let's put an entry together, you know, as a community. So as we form that, you know, if you then tail that entry and choose to take it yourself, you can, you know, on one level, you know, get some some promotion if that does hit, you know, some sort of, sure. a, you know, a cashback or a free entry or something like that. And so that kind of builds that, uh, you know, that thing that you can sweat together. You can, uh, you know, be cheering and, uh, you know, be rooting for that outcome that you want. And we then started to really supercharge that by, you know, having some of our influencers, brand ambassadors who have been very important for us be part of that. So, you know, we ran something recently where, uh, you know, Meek Mill came up with a set of picks. Mm -hmm. And if you then tailed his picks, you could be part of a, uh, another contest to win, you know, quite a bit of money. And mm-hmm. so that kind of rallied people around him and what he was doing and got him, uh, you know, got the, engaged in the community too. And so, yeah, that's really at the center of all the products that we make. And yeah, community play has really helped us uh, bring our members together and give them that, uh, that shared rooting interest that just makes being a fan exciting. Makes a ton of sense. And if you got thousands of people in on something and in, in on one combination of, of, of things they're looking for to happen that week. You know, I, I know what it feels like when I'm sitting there with just, just a group of Seahawks fans in one game. Yeah. And now you might have a, a litany of things that are spanning multiple games and you've got thousands of people cheering for the, for that one extra, let's say that one extra reception or whatever it might be that one, that one player touchdown or that next, the one more three pointer from a one more bucket from a dude. And just that moment, that's what it's about because live sports it's probably that just that last bastion of like live TV that people really care about. It's everything, everything else besides maybe live breaking news, but that you have other outlets for that. But sports, it's just different, right? It's just like that to me is like that last powerful thing that you don't want to watch it later. If you, if you could afford not to, you want to be watching it live. And this just takes that passion of watching something live like that and takes it to some some other degree that I don't I don't think we've experienced yet until until things like price picks came along which is which is really cool. So I do want to talk a bit more about, you know, maybe it was 15 years ago or so, we started hearing about that second screen experience and how you would pair live TV with the mobile experience. And that concept has certainly evolved and gained steam and and I, I, I'm interested to see, like, from your perspective, how does Prize Picks take advantage of the fact that, hey, live sports, they are still the jam. And how do you, how do you think about, okay, we might not be the thing that they're watching 80% of the time while the game's on, but we, we are that amazing supplement that just uplevels everything that, that they're experiencing. Yeah, no, that's right on. I mean, we definitely think of ourselves as the ultimate, you know, second screen experience. Mm. We know that, you know, you observe fans and, you know, almost everybody's got a device on them. And you know, to your point, they're they're focusing, you know, largely on what's happening, you know, on the field or 
if they're watching like a streaming device or something, sure. they're keeping their eyes on that. But you know, every so often they're they're glancing down and, and they're saying, "Hey, that that uh, three pointer that was just made, that touchdown was just scored." Hey, let me jump on real on. Oh, that was great for me. Or yeah, and, and just makes that moment, you know, even more exciting. As time goes, I start to see that integration of the technology get even tighter. Like there was something a couple of years ago that the uh, the Wizards did on one of their alternate broadcasts where you were actually just kind of answering questions and making predictions. You're kind of right in line with the stream. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, I see more and more of that coming on again, not distracting from the actual experience of the game itself, supplementing it by just giving you a little extra piece to root for and uh, a way to interact with it that's really authentic and easy and and direct to get into. Uh, Yeah, I think I think it's it's really exciting how live sports and products like ours are starting to interact. And you know, one of the things that we also do is uh, you are able to make projections for the second half, for the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, and to build your lineup based on that. So as the game goes on and you're getting more interested in what's happening, you're saying, okay, I see how this game is playing out. I think the results are going, or how players are going to perform are going to go this way. And you can make a new lineup in effect while the game continues to happen. Yeah, it's cool because you could apply you could apply that whatever knowledge it is that you have and the insights and and actively apply it, like you said, mid game or or heading into heading into the fourth quarter. Because yeah, if you could capitalize that and be like, oh, they're going on this run, let me let me build this stack real real quick. It's just another right. another level of interaction mid game that a couple of years ago is just not possible. It's really really a fascinating time. Uh, super cool stuff, man. And of course, I'm a big sports fan, so I'm gonna geek out a little bit with you. One thing I think would be great for the audience to understand too is whether they're a sports fan or not, you're producing innovative products, right? And, and you've got a team that you're doing this with on a project by project, I'm sure quarterly by quarterly basis where you say, okay, we want to release this many with this level of efficacy and you go at that. And I know, I know you're in the middle of it right now. You've got a big launch coming up in January and I hope I wish nothing but the best on that. But Thanks. the process itself what can you share about your innovation process, your team, and like what does that room look like? Who is in it? And then when, like when are certain people needed for you and your team to, to drive uh, product innovation forward? Sure. It boils down to like really understanding who are you serving, uh, what, uh, what role are you playing for them, what problem are you solving, mm. and having a very clearly laid out set of strategic principles, priorities. You know, like for us, I mentioned it is all about that, keeping it simple, accessible, community-driven. Uh, you need to be mapping back everything that you want to work on to those core principles. So we're always, uh, you know, staying tight with our executive team to say, okay, this is, you know, this is one of our strategic pillars. Let's like really dig into the details and make sure that we've got it to know what should we be pursuing? And just as importantly, what should we not be pursuing? Right. What you know could be cool, could be a great product, but doesn't necessarily you know, line up with what PrizePix wants to do. So when we get clarity on those, you know, we do quite a bit of research, uh, both uh, quantitative, we'll do surveys, we'll do analysis of potential market sizes and as well as qualitative, mm-hmm. uh, you know, research as well. We believe, you know, multiple times throughout our process, we are 
interviewing members we have potential members that we that we could get we uh you know have access through a partner of ours to a panel of about four million people that you know we can then just drill down on hey we're looking for this specific uh you know demographic this specific type of fandom maybe you've used this specific product Mm -hmm. that we can then run studies with six eight ten people either just interviews about attitudes or putting you know, really low fidelity prototypes in front of people and seeing how they interact with them. Keeping that going throughout our process is really critical to making sure that we're building the right things. And I think one thing that um, you know, I've really learned and that we've been able to scale you know, for ourselves, yeah. so often in organizations, the, the UX research team will be, you know, it'll be kind of small, right? Mm-hmm. And those people are, their time is very much in demand and what can happen is, is teams can say, okay, they, they're not going to be able to help me, so I'm just going to go forward and, you know, I'll just have to, I'll kind of wing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that, is the, uh, that is the last thing you want to do. I think what is really, really important is work with your research team to learn the techniques, learn how to ask questions that don't introduce bias into the, into the process. And then you as a product manager, a designer, an engineer, you learn how to do some interviewing yourself and, and to you know, just gather a lot of feedback at scale. You can really do that by creating templates of how you mm. capture that feedback and how you publish it out to your team. And you can then put those insights into your product really, really fast. Yeah. So you, know, you do interviews in a series of days, you learn something, you put out new prototypes, get a new set of interviews in place. And by the end, you have a product that at least you think is going to hit it out of the park. And that that's, uh, yeah, just keeping members at the center of your process and being able to, you know, keep that research constant and move with speed. I think that's what really makes it so that when you are kind of taking those big swings, you have a high confidence level that mm-hmm. even though you haven't seen this done before, uh, you've learned enough through the process that you have a high confidence level that it's going to work out. I always try to push teams in organizations like this to, uh, it's way, way easier to think big and have to rail it back in Mm -hmm. than to not go far enough. You know, examples I'll use, like imagine, you know, 20 years ago, you said, "Ah, I'm just going to get in the back of some random guy's car. I'm going to get there. It's going to be fine. No problem. (laughs) And, uh, you know, now it's one of the biggest businesses in the world. And, you know, we we, we can't constrain ourselves from just... uh, you know, the, uh, the, the place where we sit now, we have to be willing to, you know, to really take those larger swings, but always make sure that you're, you're developing that deep understanding of who you're trying to serve and why you're trying to create something for them as part of that process. Yeah, I think the, so there's, there's a ton of, of great nuggets there too. And, I, and distilling it a little bit, for me, it's like, I think there's this balance of wanting to have a knowledge and confidence, of course, because you're taking innovation swings and you have to balance that with with the speed to market that'll be on time, right? And be be timely, yeah. not just be on time, but be timely. And I think throughout the last maybe 10 or 15 years, there's been so many great new techniques and it's like techniques and technologies. And then the skills that get to learn how to wield those in certain ways so that you said it in the, the, the last bit you were talking about, like, hey, in a matter of days, a matter of days, we can get some user testing going, get some surveying going, get that critical feedback, and then re-put that back into whatever that might be, product design, 
And as you said, like making sure those UX designers and the UX researchers that like, hey, even if their bandwidth is constrained, it's like figure it out. Like make sure they're at the table. Make sure that they're yeah. really skipping that process or being like, okay, we'll come back to them because I think we really have something so good. You might, you might. Uh, but if you don't, it, it's it's like you could put you making sure that they're there at the onset so that you get as much confidence and knowledge as you possibly can and you don't sacrifice, you don't take so long that you miss your time to market. It's just like the the great companies that I see doing it, uh, they've really found a way to strike that balance nowadays, right? They've really uh, found how to, how to go fast enough and be thorough so their knowledge and confidence is still still there, knowing, Brian, that look, not every single product is going to hit. You think it might, and you could do all the things and be confident. Sometimes it just misses, or it's sometimes very often it's before it's time. That's the, totally the, right. The audience yeah. wasn't quite ready for it yet. They didn't quite get it yet. And you could kind of maybe peel it back and say, well, Let's save that. Let's let's re let's reintroduce that uh, when when the market might be a little more ready for it too. So there's just so many good lessons of what you just shared there, man. But are there any particular um, tactics, design led or um, you know low fidelity prototypes? Are there any particular that you really lean into when you're trying to get that that fast understanding of do we have something here? Yeah, yeah. I think prototyping is absolutely important uh, and is at the center of what we do. You know, Figma has uh, mm. really unlocked a lot of that for us uh, and that we can turn our designs into something that people can touch and feel very quickly without having to, you know, divert engineers from something that's kind of in the throes of going to production. You do learn a lot from asking people those more like foundational questions outside the context of actually seeing something. But giving them something that they can interact with and and really watching like how are they behaving uh, when they're doing a task or when they're fulfilling some function in the product. You can notice those those hesitations mm. or that that lack of confidence, and you and you can drill into that and find out okay what's what's behind that. What were you expecting to see here that you didn't, or what piece of information do we need to provide you to give you that confidence going forward? So yeah, giving people like something that you know, works like the real product is going to work when it goes to production and doing that early and often is key. Yeah. And then this technology, like you mentioned, they really collapse that time frame or the ability to collapse that time frame is so sincere nowadays. And the yeah. successful product teams take advantage of that and they get great at it. It's not just they use it, they use it and put a process around it that, that makes it really seamless. And that's, it sounds like it's what you and your team at Price Picture are doing, which is Super cool. Exactly. Yeah. We're all about bringing together that qualitative feedback. And then we always are looking at our data. When yeah. we bring something to market, we do try to move really quickly, but we make sure that it's something that our users are are really going to enjoy and that we're learning. You know, there's a concept called the riskiest assumption test. I think we believe in is like, what is the, uh, what's kind of the biggest unknown that we have here or mm. biggest chance that we're taking? And let's create something that validates for us as soon as we can, like, have we hit the mark here? So yeah, trying to move quickly there and, and bring together like interviewing qualitative data with, uh, you know, what we actually see when something goes live and being able to iterate quickly is key to how you innovate here. And I love that idea, Brian, that, that riskiest element, because it yeah. also makes you critically think well beforehand to say, well, what is that? Right. Sit down. Right. What, what is that? What, what if, and, and how are we solving that piece? 
and then it goes live and you're just probably sitting there like, I don't know if it's nail biting or whatever. There's some champagne, but it's <laughs> also probably some nerves going like, yes. okay, are they going to cross that chasm? Are they going to, are they going to do the thing we thought they might? And then the cool part about it is you do all this detective work, this digital detective work, and then you get to see the data tells you, right? And uh, totally. which is really cool. So it's, it's such a such a fun place to be between between sports and product. It's such a, a really vibrant epicenter of, the, of those things there. So super super happy for you. And as, as your career keeps on keeps on accelerating too, and I always like to try and end conversations with a bit of an eye towards the future. So you know we talked about the mashup of live TV, second screen, and, and fantasy sports in general. What haven't we seen yet, whether that's technologies, whether that's new experiences, what do you think is, is yet to be seen that you still think is quite exciting for this world of fantasy sports and, and live, live sports? Yeah. One, I definitely think that the live, uh, you know, live viewing experience and experiences with, uh, with gaming and fantasy, I, th- I think those are just going to become more and more tightly coupled. We find that uh, you know fans are getting more and more comfortable mm. uh, and conversant with data statistics. Uh, yeah. You know, imagine showing you know OPS on a baseball broadcast five years ago, right? You never would. But you know now people are we're embracing uh, you know launch angles and exit velocities, mm-hmm. and those are becoming more part of the regular fans' vocabulary. And so you know anything you can quantify, you can use in a fantasy product. So I, I think bringing those together and uh, tying together that data and that broadcast, I think that's only going to grow. I would be excited to see. You know more opportunities for people to come together around this, uh, you know, this type of thing in stadiums, you know, with streaming products in sports bars, you know, anywhere where fans are gathering and they're having that shared experience. I think there's more and more that we can do just to continue to amplify that. And as we look to continue to push the envelope here at Prize Picks and continue to grow, those kinds of opportunities are definitely going to be the things that we'll be looking at. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun to keep watching it. And it is really an innovative space. And you could you'd see the next product and the next thing that comes out and you go, ooh, that was a cool idea. Like that, that is interesting that you thought of this, this wrinkle here. And you, you mentioned exit velo, exit velocity. And the shirt yeah. I'm wearing is, this is a, a W, but it's my town is Westbrook. This is our Little League emblem. And I actually ran our Little League for a couple of years. And it was funny. I coached for seven or eight years too. And just in that short time, hearing the kids talk in the dugout, they're talking launch angle, exit velo. Yeah. Like it's a, it became their vernacular. It became that's right. their lexicon. It's you know, it's, I'm like, hey guys, move the runner over. They're like, dude, did you see my launch angle? I'm like, yeah, dude, move the runner over. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm like, fund these kids, fund these, move, move the guy over. So, uh, but it's it's you know, which is funny, right? So old man uh, shakes hand at cloud, but but it's funny. I, I certainly could adopt it and appreciate that. I could see what it did for them as fans, and and that peels into the products that that you're producing too and, and opens new opportunities, which is which is really fun. So Brian, I just want to say thank you. We've been chatting with Brian Huss, VP of Innovation at Prize Picks. And you know, thanks for sharing your passion with us for innovation with our audience today. And really good luck on your roadmap. I know that you've got new product releases and and we are ending the NFL season now. We're about to enter the playoffs. I'm sure you are hot and heavy with with tons of new things you're developing for and releasing for your community as we get closer to the big game. I just want to say thank you, Brian, for joining us on Catalyst. We really enjoyed having you as, as a guest. 
Thank you so much, Glenn. Really enjoyed being here. All right. Thanks so much. And folks, if you're enjoying the Catalyst Conversations, please share this podcast with colleagues and friends because in this studio, we believe in shipping software over slideware that fast will follow smooth and aiming to create digital experiences that move millions is a very worthy pursuit. Join us next time as the pursuit continues on Catalyst, the launch by NTT Data Podcast. <laughs>